0: On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar. Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So what do I mean by ROAR? The beauty of ROAR is that it's both an acronym, and the acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, a hidden power inside of us. It's a fire that's often suppressed by fear. That power is your ROAR, and it's waiting to be unleashed. Today, we wanna talk about the first R, In ROAR, which stands for reflection. We will talk about how to use the power of reflection to shape your future. My guest today is masterful at showing leaders how to harness the power of reflection to transform their lives, become their best self, and launch them into their preferred future. Let me introduce you to Victoria Trebosh. She is passionate about changing the world as an executive coach, international speaker, author and columnist she strives to make a difference in ways that are lasting and sustainable accomplishing what seems impossible inspires her and watching others do it inspires her even more in 2005 she co-founded the itafari foundation for rwanda through small donations over the years she and her team raised over 1.5 million dollars currently she's pursuing her masters at harvard university with a graduation date set for may 2021 Her goal, well into her 70s, is to continue to impact the world, and no doubt she will do just that. Let me welcome Vicki to the show. Welcome, Vicki. Thanks so much, Lakeisha. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this all day. We're just so excited to have you here to talk about the power of reflection and shaping our future. You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So before I kind of launch into the power of reflection, I really want to give my listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and who were some of your biggest
1: influencers growing up? Thanks, Lakeisha. I grew up in Indiana, where, as a writer once put it, life was wholesome and her mother's word was gospel. Now, I never said that to this writer, (laughs) but she certainly got that message listening to me. I got my undergrad degree from Indiana University in business with a focus in accounting, and I married in 1981, and we moved to Oregon in 1982. I'm a serial entrepreneur and have started a number of successful enterprises and started a not-for-profit to support the vulnerable in Rwanda in 2005, which you mentioned in my intro, called Itafari. Simply, I am blessed. My work around the world has given me a perspective and allows me to reflect on how each step of our path sets us up for the next challenge and opportunity in that path. My greatest influence was and will always be my mom, Rita. I wrote a book about her in 2011 called Dead Rita's Wisdom, Simple Words to Help You Live an Extraordinary Life. Unfortunately, Rita is dead and that is a term of endearment. So some people don't get it, but that's okay. I'm sure mother is smiling from heaven and says, that's my girl. Yeah. But I learned from her that the wisdom that lies within each of us must be shared because a message without a messenger is lost.
0: I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Wow. It sounds like your mom was a huge inspiration, too. And you guys had a wonderful relationship. And you're still feasting on all the things you learned from her and sharing her with the rest of the world. I love that, Vic.
1: Still, 21 years later, she died in uh, 1998. So Mm -hmm. 22 years this October. I cannot believe it because she is with me all the time.
0: All the time. I love that. Wow. Well, you know, building on that, right? Because it sounds like you had a very rich childhood growing up great love, great relationships with your mom and your family and, and, and being able to carry all the things that she taught you with you today. When you think back on your experiences growing up that really shaped you to be who you are, what stands out as maybe one of the defining moments in your life that helped you establish your roar?
1: Great question. I was born with a port wine stain mark, which is a birthmark, very heavy birthmark on my face. Started below my nose, went down my neck. Mm -hmm. And my mother told me that in 1957, I was just like six weeks old. They took dry ice and it took four adults to hold me down while they burned dry ice directly on my face with no anesthesia. And thankfully it removed a lot of the birthmark, but there was still a deep purple stain on my lips. Mm. And thankfully my mother told me the story when I was a little girl, and people would literally come up to me and say, "Why are your lips purple?" And I would tell them the story about the dry ice and innocent, and they would stop asking. Mm-hmm. But when I hit junior high school, what was once interest turned into cruel, cruel bullying, mm. and I was bullied so badly that I really didn't know if I'd ever go to school again. I actually did a TEDx talk two years ago and talked about the power of your voice and your choice. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how my mother gave me wisdom that I used going back into the classroom because this always happens without teachers present. Mm -hmm. And I went back into the classroom and I faced those bullies. And without my mother's wisdom, which I listened to and took, I mean this with no drama. I really believe I would have killed myself. It was so bad. And today with what the children face with bullying and social media, I really don't know, Lakeisha, how I would have made it. But thankfully, I did. Mm -hmm. And what that lesson told me and what it taught me, it was so defining was that I will never use the power of my voice to hurt another. I will never bully another. I will never use humor in a way that is cruel and at someone else's expense. And that sometimes I must be a voice for another who cannot defend themselves. If I hadn't had Rita to guide me, I don't know where I'd be today. Wow. It was no joke. And it was a gift to learn from loss. But I wouldn't wish it on another human being.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story. There's so much in that, especially to your point, what a lot of the young people are facing today. But again, the power of your mom and the lessons that she taught you and for you to dig deep and find the power inside of you to go and face those who were treating you with less than the humanity and grace and
1: dignity that you deserved as a human being, right? Right. And it happens to so many in so many small and large ways. You know, there are the microaggressions, there are the large aggressions, there's the aggression against color and culture, religion. And when we look at what's going on in social media today, there was no social media back in the late 60s, early 70s, when this happened to me. 1970, I think it started in junior high when I was in junior high. Mm-hmm. but the aggression that we're seeing and, and I watch it and I think about what happens and I use my voice to help others. In fact, I've always said I am nothing if not a voice for the women of Rwanda
2: mm-hmm. because so
1: many of them do not have their voice, but it's only because of Rita that I was able to get through that and then use my influence to help others.
0: Wow. I love that. Use your voice for good in every situation and opportunity you can. And I know you've done that for years with the beautiful women from Rwanda. So thank you for that. Moving right along, right, in terms of building upon the experience that you had, that defining moment that shaped you and really allowed you to pull out your roar. You've been doing that for years, right? And you've been sharing your voice with so many leaders, thousands of leaders across the globe as a career and executive leadership coach. And I'm sure over the years, many of them, including myself, (laughs) have talked to you about really Things that we're trying to do in our career, maybe trying to reach to the next level of performance for our teams, the next level of performance for ourselves, but just trying to achieve success overall. Talk about maybe how you've enabled those leaders who you've coached and mentored over the years to get to the next level of success. I'd love to hear some tips that you've shared with them as they navigated their career for success.
1: Sure. You know, when you get to work with leaders like I do Completely since 2003, when I started this career, you learn about what leaders do and how leaders think. And what I've noticed is successful leaders move fast, sometimes too fast. (laughs) They come up with a great idea and they act on it. And I've learned through my clients that slowing down will actually allow them to go faster. I had a client in an advertising agency because I work across all different fields And this was a young guy who was just going way too fast. And he was absolutely crashing metaphorically at work. And I'm trying to slow him down, but people are motivated, but you don't motivate them. So I asked him, I said, what do you like to do in your spare time? And he said, I like to ride motorcycles. (laughs) (laughs) I said, why do you like to ride motorcycles? He said, because they go so fast. (laughs) Well, there's a big duck. Right. So I said as a good coach, I said, okay, I get that. Now, where's the favorite place you like to ride? He said, I'd love to ride through the mountains on the really the roads that are just turning and curving. I said, how can you go fast on those? He said, well, the truth is, is that if you go too fast through the curves, you crash, You the bike goes down. Mm-hmm. So he said, what I learned was that slow is smooth. And smooth is fast. Ooh, I like that. And he stopped. He goes, and he said a few words I won't say on your podcast. And he (laughs) said, oh, I've got to slow down to go faster. I said, that's right. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast.
2: So how
1: do leaders slow down so they can maintain their success? I'm going to give you a little five-step thing that I've learned. It's five steps. It's known as the TTM of behavior change. It was developed by a man named Dr. James Prochaska and his collaborators, and it's based on decades of research evaluating and measuring behavior change, which first started in the health field, but moved to all kinds of change. So TTM stands for Trans-Theoretical Model of Change, and we're just going to call it TTM. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it helps leaders understand how to adapt and adopt new behaviors and why many people fail or quit. Basically, he found that stages that people move through are predictable and identifiable. Mm -hmm. So, Lakeisha, do you know why even leaders fail to create the success they see as possible? They move too fast. Then what happens? So they're moving fast. They come up with a great idea and they go, this is what we're going to do. We jump to action. five steps. Yes, they move to action. Absolutely. Very good. And unfortunately, when they move to action, they skip a stage that I'm going to explain very quickly called the preparation phase. Mm. So here's the five steps that we're going to go through when we try to find success. Any of us. It's The first one is pre-contemplation. We're thinking about a change or an idea, but we're really not ready to do anything about it. That's called Mm pre-contemplation. The next step is contemplation. We're thinking about change and we're determined to do it. This is the way we're going to go. Then comes preparation, which is preparing all the steps necessary to create the change or goal we have just decided we are engaged in. Then we go to action, which is taking action on all the steps created. And then we go to maintenance, which is maintaining the positive behaviors that brought the desired change and success that we understand suddenly will help us be successful. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem. Pre contemplation, maybe not. Contemplation, I'm going to do this. Preparation is the step that we all want, especially if we're really driven and moving fast, remember? Yes. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Well, if you don't go through the preparation phase, you're going to crash somewhere in those curves. Mm -hmm. But a lot of leaders do it anyway. And what I've learned through the work I've done is that if we take more time with preparation and we prepare all the steps necessary, then when we get to action, it is so much easier because we thought about, we've done a pre-mortem on everything, not a post-mortem. You know, we do a post-mortem after a project fails. Like, well, what could we have done differently? Blah blah blah. Right. But what if you do the pre-mortem? All right, now what's gonna happen? Here's a great example that's this is sort of time-stamped with what's going on today with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But businesses are so eager to start up again that people are, want to get back to work. They want to get back to their goals. And what they're going to do is say, OK, we're ready to open. That's the contemplation stage when everything gets in line. Then they're going to open, which is action. Now, what's going to happen is that they will spend no time in preparation. Mm-hmm. Literally, they need to have an opening plan because of OSHA and all the things that are going to be involved. You need a written opening plan. Guess what that takes work that takes detail a lot of leaders are not into the detail so they have to make sure they have a team that does it if you don't prepare well for reopening you're going to be closing soon again yeah this is a great example how this process of reopening after covid-19 will be successful and then you'll be able to be in that fifth stage of maintenance because you've gone through the laborious serious and important step of preparation. If you don't, businesses, of course, will open. We all know businesses that run kind of by the seat of their pants Mm -hmm. and they still can be successful. So I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying what I've learned through my studies and through, that's been researched with really good documentation is that if we really fail to prepare, we are preparing to fail. So preparation is a really important step in that five-step process of pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance.
0: Wow. I love that. Thanks so much, Vic. You know, I, I was thinking as you were sharing the pre-mortem really is that uh pre contemplation, contemplation, the reflection, it all ties in together and taking the time. I think sometimes I say it's important to slow down to speed up, right? You have to just take some time to understand what you're trying to accomplish. And to your point, spend the time in
1: preparing Before you take action, so you've got it, Lakeisha. So when you get your next motorcycle, (laughs) (laughs) remember slow is smooth and smooth (laughs) Smooth is fast. fast. So you can go through those curves with confidence and you won't lay that bike down. You'll be able to go as fast as you want because you slowed down and you're prepared.
0: Wow, that's super powerful. Thank you so much.
1: Well, speaking of just kind of
0: slowing, slow is smooth and smooth is fast and taking the time for pre contemplation contemplation and preparation, I want to talk about some of the goals and dreams that you're motivated by today. What's on your goal sheet and how are you leveraging this
1: complete five-step process to achieve them? Well, the first thing that I've got three I've been thinking about lately and they're really, I wouldn't rank them because they all, if I did a Venn diagram, if I did these three things, all of them, it will create the greatness that I seek. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to do is to continue to have a sustainable business and consider new avenues of revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a public speaker and right now there aren't a lot of in-person speaking opportunities. Absolutely. I'm definitely coaching, I'm doing all the work I've been doing. I still write, I still write a column, I'm I'm working on different things. But speaking opportunities, which I really love, so thank you again for the opportunity to do this is so important that I have to think about what is it going to look like differently. Mm -hmm. And so I am squarely in the preparation phase of this goal. I'm not there yet. I'm trying to figure this out. So instead of just trying to go out and find some speaking engagements, because I know in the contemplation phase, I want to continue to speak publicly, I am spending a lot of time in preparation, figuring out the steps that are necessary for me to continue a successful speaking career beyond this. Absolutely. The second one that's really important to me is to complete my thesis research for my Harvard degree. Again, current circumstances with COVID-19 will not allow me to travel to Rwanda this summer. So I'm working with a dear friend in Rwanda to deliver my interviews. And then I can write my thesis from the responses. Now, I want you to know as I think about this, it's far from my ideal solution. I've been to Rwanda 12 times some of my dearest friends are there. I love the country of Rwanda. So I want to be there. But guess what? Would I say if I can't go, then I'm not going to work on my master's? No, I'm going to finish this because I'm getting old. And I can't wait. <laughs> and who am I to say it has to be my way and then teach others that how will you figure out what's next? So while it's far from my ideal solution, it's far more ideal than not finishing my master's at Harvard. hmm Because I'm doing this so that I have a seat at the United Nations on committees and with organizations helping create change and equity for women in the world. I know that that degree will help open doors. All it does is open a door. I've still got to walk through it and show my stuff. And what I've learned, there's a great quote by Chris Voss, who's the CEO of the Black Swan Group, who says, never be so sure of what you want that you wouldn't take something better.
2: I'm going to repeat
1: that because really, I've got it up on my wall. Never be so sure of what you want that you wouldn't take something better. Seriously, who knows what the future holds? I want to be ready. So I'm in action on this item. And I know I may need to return to more preparation as Mm -hmm. my path unfolds. Wow. And then the third one is my health, which is critical to all my goals. I always say health as well. And I've had enough challenging health problems that I can not ignore my own fitness goals. While COVID-19 has kept us home for the last 14 weeks, God bless the internet right. because I'm doing online workouts and taking spinning classes. And frankly, I am in the best shape I've been in 20 years. I just got my blood work back last week and my doctor is thrilled. And I'm right there with her. I mean, it's really exciting. Again, I'm in the action phase. And successful action is based on a lot of preparation. On my daily sheet of what I'm going to do, I put work out. Not that I forget it, but (laughs) if I can't cross it off, it's easy to go, you know, I think I'll just take a little stroll. And that's not what a workout looks like. So I've really learned. Those are the three things. Continue to have a sustainable business, complete my research for my Harvard master's, and take care of my health.
0: Wow. I love it. And it's, you know, you are following the, the process that you teach daily. But what I also love is that you've incorporated your purpose in all that you're doing, right? Use your voice to help others. And I know that you're pursuing your master's degree again, to give voice to those who may not have the voice that you have, right? And
1: in an effort to help them. And that's what you're doing. That's fantastic. One more thing I just want to say, and you know this too, because I know you so well, I don't know about you, but I, I would submit that Just like me, you get so much more from what you give than what you get. People think I'm just so great for working in Rwanda. Don't even go there. I (laughs) have to tell you something the women of Rwanda have helped me more than they will ever know. Mm -hmm. When I meet women who have been through a genocide, who have lost their children in violence during the genocide against Tutsi in 1994, they were raped, they have HIV, and they continue to get back up every single time. Who am I to say I can't get back up? So when we stretch ourselves, when we get out of our own comfort zone, because as a white woman going to Rwanda, I have a lot that I have to prove to them, not them prove to me Mm -hmm. that why should I listen to you? Believe me, they're not excited to see me until they see me again. I remember the second time I went to Rwanda back in 2006, a woman came up to me in the village and she looked at me and she said, you came back, Mama. Mm. And I realized how often do people go to a country, take pictures, say, I'll pray for you, and we leave. Mm-hmm. And I am committed to my work there. And it has given me more than I can ever give. So I'll spend the rest of my life helping people that have helped me so much.
0: I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Vic. You know, and building upon that, right? Because I know, obviously, as an executive career coach, you know, you've gone and you've taught leadership courses to the women in Rwanda. Talk a little bit about your dream coach framework and how it's enabled you know, hundreds and thousands of people to really transform their lives and their career. Because I think it
1: dovetails nicely into the five-step process for success. It really does. You know, there are 10 steps. So I became a dream coach, which is not, so oh, Vicki, I was dreaming, I was riding a swan and I had a top hat on. What's that mean? I go, I don't know, <laughs> but you better go back to bed. No, it's how we build our biggest dreams for our life. And I went through the process. I'm a certified dream coach. And the process, I'm going to go through it pretty quickly and Mm -hmm. then tell you how it frames into the five steps. There's 10 steps in this process that I take clients through. The first one is intention. We learn the power of intention. The second step is integrity. Where are we at integrity and where are we out of integrity and how we clean it up? The third is finding that life's purpose, which is who we are meant to be, not what we are meant to do. Mm -hmm. Then before anything else happens, then we choose our big dream, which I call the Hag, the big, hairy, audacious goal. It's so big, we don't even know how we're going to do it. So that's the fourth step. Choose your dream. Then once we believe in our dream, then we identify the doubter within us and what the doubter says, like, you got to be kidding me. You can't do that. (laughs) And you literally write down exactly the way you talk to yourself. That's step four. Step five, thank goodness there's a step five, is to talk about what we are trying to protect ourselves from and how we have empowering beliefs that transform that doubter into a believer in us and help us get there. That's step six. Step seven is to learn from our failures because all failures lead to success if we learn the lessons. Mm -hmm. Now, step eight, just think about this. There's 10 steps. These aren't done like, 15 minutes. these are we work together on it. people go and do worksheets and think about it. It's like a two weeks per point. Mm-hmm. So here we are probably week what 15 maybe 16. Step eight, take serious steps forward. remember the action step? We don't hit it until we've done all this work and then step nine is to build a dream team. Who is going to believe in you, give you honest feedback and help you reach your goals and then step 10, is live as a dreamer. So I'm going to tell you really quickly how these steps fit into the five steps of building your biggest dreams. So steps one, two, and three are pre-contemplation, meaning I'm thinking about who I am and what it means. So that's intention, integrity, and purpose. That's all pre-contemplation. Step four, choose your dream. That's contemplation. All right, here's a dream. Here's a BHAG about everything in my life, whether it's my health, my wealth, My family, my relationships, my work, my religion, my faith, whatever. You pick one. And that's the one we're going to use for the rest of this process. So that happens in step four, Mm -hmm. contemplation. Here's the dream I am committed to work on. Now we hit the hard work of identifying the doubter within us, coming up with empowering beliefs, and learning from our failures all of that is preparation. Now, what's so interesting about this process, people love this process, by the way. I work with, in some cases, the majority of men. So men go through this process just the way women do. Mm-hmm. And they learn from their failures. They get to step eight. Let's take serious step forward. What? We're, we're <laughs> going to actually try to do this? Yeah, that's the idea. I had a client in Canada who was working on changing the healthcare system there. One wow. person. A dream, a BHAG of changing the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And so we get to step eight. Steps five, six, and seven are all about preparation. Identify your doubt or come up with your empowering beliefs. Learn from your failures. Step eight is action. Let's take some serious steps forward. And step nine is action. Build your dream team. Mm -hmm. So when you get to steps eight and nine, you actually get stuff done. I have used these steps. Every big dream I had, whether it was going to Rwanda, whether it's when I raised money, whether it's getting through my health issues, I always go through these steps. And you start over every time. Make sure you know what your intention is. Get clear about your integrity. Make sure it aligns with your purpose. Work on whatever the issue is. In my case, say it was my health. And then step 10, live as a dreamer, as in maintenance. So you can see the steps really dovetail nicely with the dream coach process.
0: I love it. I love it, right? Both frameworks work in concert with each other. You can use them both or you can just use one of them. But in any case, the most important piece is you have to slow down (laughs) and really go through the steps before you move to the action phase. Because that's really, in my mind, what actually enables you to have the future, to have that dream, because you've done the preparation in advance and you've been thoughtful
1: about it. Exactly. And there are many, many processes like this, right? I'm not that person that says, oh, this, these, this is the only one that works. Absolutely, People get things done all the time, but I would submit that they're doing this, calling it different things, but they're doing this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about ROAR.
0: It's reflection, opportunity, action, and relationships. It dovetails very nicely into what you've outlined, right? And that's what you said from the beginning. It's, you know, Lakeisha, with the ROAR, it, it really fits nicely.
1: It's what you do. It's why I like it. It's why I agreed to be on the show. I (laughs) believe that you have, as I just outlined a couple of processes, you have a process that if people stay with it, because you can't like go roll. You got to (laughs) roar. You can't go roll. Raw, roar. You got to get to the last R. You start strong. You got to finish strong. And that's why it's a roar. Roars don't go like this. Roar. Roars come from deep within all of us and if you stay with what comes from deep within you will roar
0: i love it big spider on spider on so speaking of that talk about why self-reflection right i know that's what we started with from the beginning we've been talking about pre-contemplation why is self-reflection so important in your mind what are some of the things that are positive outcomes as a result of taking the time to reflect
1: well without that we don't learn lessons mm-hmm. so I can go back to the dream coach process, right? That's the preparation. Like, are you willing to look at your failures? And if you're willing to learn from them, then you'll find that when I did this dream coach work myself in 2002, I had to honestly look at everything I failed in and ask, what is the lesson? What is the lesson? And what I learned is that I rarely make the same mistake twice. They just get bigger. (laughs) because I do take the lesson from the loss. And when you do that, then you find that you're willing to try the next big thing. Now, no one who has reached a level of success has not failed. No one. If they tell you they haven't failed, they're A, not very successful, B, afraid to be vulnerable, Or see they're lying because I know of no one who hasn't had some epic fails. And while it's painful in reflection, I think that once we find the pearl of wisdom, we can lay down all the trash that came with it.
0: Wow. I love that.
1: So that's how I use reflection. I look at what worked. And, you know, we're very quick. I want to say, I just thought of something I should say. Yeah. We're very quick to say, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm good at talking about things we have to really own our successes. I remember when I had cancer and I was watching a CEO up in Seattle and I was thinking about going up there for treatment and I had oral cancer. So I had a tumor growing out of my mouth. He Mm -hmm. had throat cancer and I watched him talk about what it meant. And he said something really powerful that I've never forgotten. And that was five years ago. He said, celebrate all the small successes because when you're going through treatment, of any kind, for anything. All you want to do is get to the end. I had 36 radiation treatments to my face. If you see my TEDx talk, you'll see what it looked like. And I wanted to get to number 36, right? But guess what? 36 radiation treatments take a long time because I was so burned, they had to stop radiating my face for a week, which was a gift because I didn't know how much more I could take. But in the meantime, he said, celebrate a um, family that sends you a card. Celebrate a good doctor visit celebrate a beautiful day. And I learned to celebrate the small things. And it really helped me keep my focus and reflect on the moment. And the moment I was given, that had some grace in it when it was really tough. Mm-hmm. So this reflection can be both about failure, and also reflect on a moment of joy. Mother always used to say, Dad really used to say, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Now, she always meant it in a negative way, like, oh, Vic, I know it's hard, but this too shall pass. When I wrote the book, I talk about her stories, and then I add my own wisdom. And I said, but you know what I've realized? The good passes as well. Mm -hmm. And if we don't enjoy it, if we don't accept it and appreciate it, this too shall pass. So that's what the power of reflection is for me, understanding our failures, but also celebrating our small successes.
0: I love that. I love that. We definitely don't want to miss out on that, right, at all. This too shall pass, but you want to savor the goodness as well, is what I hear you say. (laughs) I do. I do. Wow. Well, how can we get started on our path to reflection, right? It's so much goodness in what you just said. And so how can we get started on that path?
1: Well, I really recommend going back and listening to this TTM process. Mm -hmm. Go back and listen and find out where do you sometimes stumble? Is it preparation? Is it action? Is it contemplation? Are you really not owning it before you even start it? But if you go back, ask yourself, what stage are you in right now? And if it's contemplation, are you ready to slow down, which is the preparation phase, so that your success can be long lasting? And I really wanna remind people, don't do it alone. The voices in our heads are protecting us from failure, but also from risk. And calculated risk is what leads to success. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So with whom will you partner to do the work you are meant to do in the world? Find them and stick through it. And you too, and I'm going to say it, will find your roar.
2: Wow,
0: I love it. Thanks, Vic. That is so awesome. (laughs) Yes, the power and partnership to find and release your war. That is it. I love that. Man, oh my gosh, this has been so amazing. We could talk all day and often you and I do. So thank you for that. (laughs) But I know that you do have to go. But before we do, I love to spend some time saying a word or phrase and you telling me the first thing that comes to mind. How about that?
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: All right. So what's your
1: favorite food? Brownies.
0: Ooh, brownies.
1: Which is not healthy. I just want to say <laughs> for the record, I know, but that's my favorite. But you're working out, so you're good. And yeah. your guilty pleasure. Video games on my iPad are awful. I just love them. Obviously, I feel very guilty. I can't even believe I told you that's what I I know. You're like, I can't believe I said that. Your favorite book. <laughs> you know, there's a book that I've read for the last 35 years. It's very dog eared. It's called God Calling. And it was written by two women in the 30s. They were anonymous. And there are daily messages. They're part of my daily meditation and prayer that they're messages from God. And it's just, that book has served me for 35 years. I can't get rid of it. It's so dog eared. It's falling apart, but it's precious. So that's my favorite book. I love that. Current Netflix addiction, if you have one. I don't have one, but there's one I want to watch. It's about a virtual world. Some guy goes to a virtual world. I don't even know what it's called, but I haven't seen it yet. So not one right now. Okay, got it. And your dream vacation? Paris, easy. Easy, done, check. (laughs) We've gone to Paris for, we went four years in a row, five years in a row, 75, four years in a row. And after I graduate from Harvard, John and I are going, I'd love to live there actually, but we're going to go to Paris for a month.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that.
1: Or as we like to say at our house, ooh la la. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) And I love you and John. This has been so awesome. Well, listen, I get the pleasure of talking to you all the time, but I want to make sure my audience knows how to connect with you. So share with us the best platforms to connect with
1: Vic. If you go to victoriatrabosh.com, that's my website. Now, what I always tell people is go there and look at it. If it doesn't resonate with you, it's me. So if you don't like the website, don't bother. You're not going to like me. This is how it is. I'm very direct and very straightforward. Go to the website, victoriatrabosh.com. I'm happy to talk to you at no charge. See if this is a good fit. Give you some ideas. And I ask everyone that comes in to have the intention of taking away something great. Mm-hmm. And that's the easiest way, victoriatrabosh.com. And Dead Reader's Wisdom, how can we find that? Dead Rita's Wisdom. She's out there on Amazon.com. And if any of your listeners are named Rita, they get a free copy. All they need to do is send me an email and I will send them a free copy because I've never met a Rita I didn't like. I love that, Vic. Thank you so much for sharing. You've been an absolute
0: joy and pleasure to have on. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Lakeisha. Thank you so much for your roar. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time.